Hello everybody and um, welcome to A to Try Dyslexia podcast, all things dyslexia. We have been um, doing these podcasts during lockdown. Um, usually our clients will come to us and we will give them all the support they need. But obviously social distancing and all the unprecedented things that we're going through at the moment, everything's been switched online. And we felt this is one of the best ways to actually engage with one, our clients and two potential clients. And today's podcast is kindly been funded by the National Lottery Community Fund. And um, we have the awesome, awesome, lovely young lady who um, is going to be speaking to us about uh, dyslexia and BAME and how to cope with stress during COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to welcome Martika, who is a, bear with me a minute, she is, I haven't got a title here, so she might tell me, there it is, Martika Swaby is mental health expert, I've got here, and she's based in um, London. She's a psychotherapist with over 15 years of clinical experience and she has an extensive knowledge and experience in stress, anxiety, depression, uh, PS, PTSD, addiction and specialised in eating disorders and is passionate about helping people to flourish and reach their full potential, which is what we are all about. We want our clients and dyslexics and people specific learning difficulties to reach their full potential. And how brilliant this is to have Matika Swaby. Matika, welcome to H2R Dyslexia podcast. Please tell Thank me a little you. bit about yourself. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting, um, inviting me on today. I think you did a really good job introducing um, <laughs> who I am and what I do. So I'm really just here today to talk about some of the mental health issues affecting um, BAME people, particularly people with um, dyslexia. And um, I've, I've worked clinically for the last 15 years with mental health I started in um, drug and alcohol rehabilitation um, and um, have done quite a number of different clinical pathways um, around uh, mental health and, and more recently um, the last sort of four or five years um, in well-being and the preventative side of mental health because I sometimes think that's that's really neglected um, you know in the mental health discussion we often focus on illness and not and, you know, preventing people from getting unwell. So I think that's a really, really important narrative, especially in COVID, which is such an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented, we're in such unprecedented waters. You know, we, we, there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know, um, you know, what's going to be happening um, next. And so I think it's really challenging for people to navigate this new situation. Um, and I think it's really helpful to think about, you know, how to take care of your mental health, how to build resilience and how to stay well. I think that's really awesome because um, it's great that you're talking about mental health because today's podcast was mainly focusing on how to cope with stress. But I guess the stress, if you don't manage stress quite well, then, you know, it can affect your mental health. So I guess we could kill two birds with one stone whilst we're here and talk a little bit about stress and mental health. And I know you do a lot of work with BME community, don't you, and to do mental health and so forth. You have your own podcast platform as well, uh, which is phenomenal. The, the work you do is really amazing. So I'm just going to really sort of dive in and go straight to the first question. What are some of the signs of stress? What, 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 what is stress? And how do we identify what stress is? 
I mean, it's really interesting stress because actually we all have stress. Uh, you know, it's part of kind of life of living. And I think a normal um, amount of stress is really healthy. And um, it motivates us to do things, you know, when we have a bit of pressure and a bit of, um, you know, a bit of that kind of tension to get things done. And, and I guess, you know, if we're thinking about stress from the, from the angle of kind of fight and flight and, you know, our blood gets pumping and, you know, our pupils dilate, our digestion shuts down and we're kind of ready to run and, and, and get stuff done. And, you know, now our lifestyles are quite sedentary. So we don't need to kind of, you know, have that adrenaline pumping around um, our bodies and we're not quite, quite as active as, as we used to be. And I think what we're starting to see um, with stress is, is a toxic form of stress. So when it builds up, um, you know, we have all that adrenaline and building up to the point where we start to feel anxious and we're in a state of fear. And, and what I like to um, describe it as is a bit of a crocodile brain when we kind of get into that fight or flight mode and we're not actually able to think and to process and to make decisions but we're reacting to things and in that state you know it's very common to have kind of health conditions and um, so often health conditions that can't be explained you know we have aches and pains headaches we constantly feel tired and we have all these symptoms and we often you know we can go to the doctor and complain about having these um these health conditions but actually we don't come out of the doctors kind of knowing what's wrong um, and and sometimes that's really a sign of stress and sometimes it can be um, other things so I guess stress can be good to motivate us and to help us to get things done but also when it tips over into that kind of toxic um, stress and it's too much and we're constantly in a, in a state of anxiety and fear that actually stress becomes quite unhealthy and that's when we need to um, start to consider how we manage that. Of course, and I guess if we don't really look after ourselves and we're, we're always sort of in a stress mode, that can then impact our mental health, can't it? Surely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that you know, I think that we think about mental health as mental illness. I think when um, often, you know, when I'm talking about mental health, I like to kind of say we all have mental health because actually, you know, we all need to take care. Um, you know, of what we're eating, of our fitness levels, of our relationships, of our financial well-being, of connection and isolation. We, you know, all of these things that keep us mentally well. It's not just our, um, it's not just a physiological thing. It's not just something in our minds. And I think when we talk about mental health, people think about mental illness. So they think about schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or the more serious um, mental illnesses, which actually, you know, exist and, you know, they have their place. But only really 2% of the population probably suffer with a, a diagnosis like that. Most of us um, are, are, are mentally healthy and just need some support um, to manage our stress or man manage our anxiety so we don't slip over into the mental illness uh, category. Right. That's really wonderful. Thank you so so much for that. So how can people with dyslexia increase their resilience um, to, to stress during the coronavirus pandemic? How, you know, I mean, I think you've got a bit of, you've worked with people with dyslexia and I think, you know, um, sometimes it can be a very dark place having this condition, um, dyslexia. Um, how can we increase the resilience um, of stress during this COVID-19? 
I mean, I, th I think one of the challenges um, around uh, dyslexia and also around around COVID is, is, is uh, as I've said before, the uncertainty of it. And I think in terms of resilience, that resilience is about how quickly we can bounce back from things. And I think, you know, when you have dyslexia, it takes a bit longer to process um, information. You need more time. You need to be able to digest it a bit longer and and so when you're faced with constantly changing situations and you need to bounce back I think that's um, more challenging for um, people who have a diagnosis of, of dyslexia and really with resilience you know I, I, I'm back into that kind of you know mental fitness piece or preventative mental health and um, you know that stuff I was saying earlier around you know the food that we eat and and are we exercising the mood enough are we getting enough sleep um you know are we are we resting do we have good connections do we have good relationships so not waiting for things to go wrong but actually taking care of the things that we do day to day so I think there's a real opportunity for people, um, you know, with dyslexia or, you know, without dyslexia to um, really pay attention, actually, to their mental fitness and, um, you know, all of those anchors in terms of sleep, in terms of diet, in terms of exercise, in terms of connection, that they can take care of incrementally um, and, and not wait for, you know, that kind of big illness or, you know, to feel really stressed or anxious. I think the key to resilience is kind of those, I guess, micro steps and staying on top of things day to day. Right, thank you so much. And I, I honestly really agree with you. All these changes, you know, today we can do this, tomorrow we can't. And then, you know, for me as a dyslexic person, I'm actually, what I hear is, it's basically what I'm going with. So when once you've kind of processed the information and understood one thing that the government wants us to do because of, and then you wake up the next morning and something else. And to be honest with you, I think at the moment my mental health is like quite, you know, it, it can be a bit challenging to be honest with you. Because I, 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 as a dyslexic, I'm processing what I've already heard. I'm even finished to understand that. And then there's something else on top. And I'm sure so many people um, must be going through the same thing. So thank you for that wonderful answer that you've given there. And it's a great tool that, you know, we look after our well-being and so forth. I think I think another challenge as well is is like the the isolation and you mm. know the, the kind of rules around you know not mixing households. I mean, depending on where you live in the country, I mean I mean some areas are having a much stricter lockdown. Um, I'm in London and you're still allowed to have sort of six people, um, you know, socialize. And I think that's really you know it it, it kind of limits your your choices and your interactions. So you have to think a lot more about your social interactions, which none of us are really used to. So, you know, if you have, uh, if you, if you, if processing information is challenging on top of that, I, I think that's really difficult for people to kind of comprehend and change their lifestyles to adapt to that. I think that can be really challenging potentially more for people who have um, dyslexia because you, you need that bit longer to, to process the information. And if you don't have the right people around you to support you to do that, I think that can be really challenging. So you know, how, how do we... How do we ensure that, you know, people with, with dyslexia or, you know, other learning difficulties and um, get the, the support systems that they need and the mm. people that they're used to having give them that support? 
and, mm -hmm. and, not, and not changing or disrupting that too much. Absolutely, absolutely. Totally agree with you on that one. Now, a little bit about, um, you know, um, pandemic access to um, further help. Is there any kind of support from the BME community in terms of, like, in terms of mental health services and um, anxiety, depression and all those um, things that can come with COVID? Is there any, any special sort of um, support for B BME community? Or are we all going through the NHS as normal, so to speak? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I guess it depends on the area that you live in, um, in terms mm. of the uh, service level um, that you get, and also whether you're going down the route of paid um, services or, or free services. I mean, I certainly, um, there's lots of um, free educational information out there, podcasts, um, I was looking at the um, BAATN, the Black African and Asian Therapy Network today. Oh, wow. You have some amazing um, resources for BAME communities uh, mm -hmm. around um, therapy and treatment options. Um, however, I, I think it's a real um, lottery in terms of um, NHS or free services. I think, you know, in areas that I've worked in before, which have high populations of, of Black and, and BAME community, then I, I think there's more options in terms of cultural nuances. Um, and, and I think the most important thing actually is having therapists, whether they're CBT therapists or psychotherapists or, um, you know, even, you know, educational therapists, if we're going down the formal kind of therapy route, I think it's really important that they're trained and understand the cultural nuances working with different communities and, and what their, those needs are, because I don't think we're a homogenous group. Um, but actually, I think what we neglect a lot and, and don't speak about enough is actually all the informal networks. So I think that there's, you know, there's massive support in kind of spiritual, um, around spirituality and, you know, in BAME communities. Um, I, you know, I think like churches and mosques and kind of religious communities have a massive part in, in playing around that social connection part of mental health. And that's often really overlooked in the, you know, the, the kind of well-being mental health spectrum. I also think that, that the peer support um, and, you know, people that have have lived experience and can share their experiences is often overlooked from the perspective of support. So in a formal route, I, you know, there are some options that I've just outlined um, before. And also depending on, you know, where you live, I think, you know, some IAP services that I'm aware of, so improved access to psychological treatment, who provide CBT therapy, you know, to via your GP. Some of those services do have um, particularly BAME um, supported um, networks and, and, and therapists, depending on, on where you live. Some don't. Um, but there are lots of informal networks out there, um, out there that people can can connect with. And, you know, when you're looking at it from a public health preventative perspective, I think that's much easier to find than the formalized kind of psychotherapy or CBT route. But I do think the um, the Black African and Asian Therapy Network is a great resource to kind of signpost around um, that treatment area. Awesome. It's great to know that we can actually tap into those services. I mean, if you've got resources and you can pay for private therapy, then there certainly are a lot of, um, you know, Black and, and um, BAME 
therapists out there that are you know have that cultural nuance training and actually you don't even need to be from black or um, mm-hmm. fame and backgrounds I think you know there are a lot of um, therapists who aren't from those communities but you know perhaps are married into um, that or have children that are mixed race or you know they're, they're, they're culturally aware of the differences that you know, can provide support and, you know, um, certainly I'm part of the counselling directory and psychology today and you can state the specialities that you have within your, um, you know, your training. So you can find therapists that, you know, are culturally aware and, and, and tuned in to some of the nuances that, that come with working with black and brown communities. Of course, and of course, representation really does matter, doesn't it? Because um, sometimes you walk in a room and if you see someone that looks like you, um, yeah. will understand more the cultural aspect, um, like you explained before. So just before we end this podcast, what top tips can you give us? Just two top tips before we, we um, say goodbye. So um, the two top tips that I would give are, are around self-care routines. Um, I would ask, you know, to think about what is your self-care routine? And how do you, you know, what makes you feel good? How do you stay well? And be intentional with that self-care routine. So, you know, if you're someone that enjoys having some of your own time or um, to go swimming, to read a book, whatever it is, make sure you schedule that in. Make sure it's part of your um, routine. Um, And the second thing that I would say is just to get to know and you know yourself and 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 become self-aware in terms of when you start to feel stressed do you feel afraid do you feel anxious and do you get irritable like what happens to you when you start to feel stressed so you can recognize those early warning signs and the last thing I'd say is do you know what's around you so you know if you were struggling or a friend was struggling or a colleague was struggling would you know where to signpost them to do you know enough about the local um, services and support that's in your area because I think it's always better to have a plan you know before and getting to that point than you know waiting to become unwell or feeling really stressed and then I'm trying to look for some support so Mm -hmm. I would say self-care and understand kind of your local services and to be able to signpost not just for yourself but for other people and create some space for yourself so you're aware of your own of your own warning signs your own early warning signs Thank you so much for joining us on our um, coping with stress during pandemic um, and COVID-19 and also the fact that you've actually incorporated mental health with this um, title as well. It's really, really awesome. We just want to say thank you very much. Um, just to our listeners, if um, anybody wants to reach out to Matika Swaby, you can find her on LinkedIn. She's on um, Instagram and I think other social media platforms. Matika, is that right? What social media platforms? Yeah, you- I mean, you can connect with me um, at Martika Swaby on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. our, our podcast is called Better Mental Health. That's on Apple and um, podcast. You can also find it on our website and Google Play, www.benevolenthealth.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, also on Twitter as Martika Swaby and on Facebook as Benevolent Health. So you can find us there, whatever platform you prefer to use. Um, and I'm just updating Instagram. So um, we'll have some great stuff on there too soon. So thank you so much Wonderful. for inviting me on. 
Thank Wonderful. And if, and if anybody didn't quite catch that, because I know a lot of dyslexia will be like, oh, what was all that just a minute ago? When we share it on our platform, we will obviously put it in a caption of all your details where people can contact you. Thank you very, very much, um, Martika. Look after yourself and um, keep up the awesome work that you're doing. We'd like thank to say you thank you. I will share a link with you for um, like a, a stress time exercise that people might want to do um, for themselves. So I'll, I'll share that with you so they can, uh, people can download that if they want to free of charge. Awesome. Thank you, Meg. So you can look after yourself. Yeah. Take care. Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye, bye. bye for now. Bye. Bye. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast. All things dyslexia. It's funded by London Community Fund. Presented by Elizabeth Tashi. Produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.